Comperman's done an amazing job so far. And especially those that shared your testimony, thank you um, for sharing what uh, God has been doing through you. And they have helped plan the service. You can obviously tell that they've been helping to lead it, but they've chosen the music and, and their fingerprints are all over this worship experience that we get to be a part of. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So do you know how diamonds are made? So they don't come out of the ground looking all pretty and shiny, ready to be put into a ring or a necklace. Uh, they, in fact, are one of our precious gems, and they do have a translucent or clear appearance when they are um, cleaned up and polished and prepared. They happen to be the strongest of the gemstones, but they're the simplest. They're made of one element, carbon. Did you know that it takes 250 tons of ore to be dug out of the earth and processed in order to make a one-carat, beautifully polished, quality gemstone? So this process that it takes to make a diamond is quite significant. And the process essentially is what it takes to take coal to make it into a diamond. And so all a diamond actually is, is a piece of charcoal that has handled stress exceptionally well. Listen to what has to happen. Bury the carbon dioxide 100 miles into the earth. Heat it to about 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit squeeze it under pressure of 725,000 pounds per square inch, and then quickly rush it towards the Earth's surface in order to cool. It takes time, heat, and pressure to create and transform that coal into a diamond. So that concept of diamonds in the rough is a helpful concept when we think about our own formation. We are formed out of the dust from the ground. But God uses that dust and makes something beautiful in each one of us with a little bit of time and a little bit of pressure. So on this Confirmation Sunday, I want each one of our confirmands to think about this concept of a diamond in the rough as a way in which God is forming and shaping you into fine young men and women that you are becoming. And to see how God sometimes goes about this important work, let's take a, a closer look at our scripture uh, text this morning and look in more detail at how God anoints the king of Israel, King David. So Israel has asked for a human king, right? They've been begging for a long time, and God finally gives in and says, all right. And the people have chosen Saul to be their first king. Well, it isn't going well. 
by this point, Saul is showing signs of suffering from mental illness. He has become incredibly paranoid. He is erratic and unpredictable. And the prophet Samuel is growing so frustrated, he's about ready to give up. And in fact, he's scared of his own king. So uh, God calls Samuel and says, all right, grab your anointing oil, and I want you to take off to Bethlehem. Well, Samuel isn't sure what to do about this because this is an incredibly unusual request. So at first he's scared to respond, and then he's confused. But as we know, God oftentimes chooses the unusual path in order to get things done. <clears throat> so Samuel finds Jesse, who God has asked him to go and talk to, and he says, all right, Jesse, can I see all of your sons? Because he's looking for this next king. So the first son comes before Samuel, and Samuel's looking at this, this wonderful young man. He says, surely I am looking at the next king of Israel. And God says, no, no, no. Don't be distracted by his stature and his good looks. It's not him. And they go through this six more times. And by the end of this, Samuel is getting super frustrated, right? And he finds like, all right, is there anybody else? And so they go and get the youngest brother who's out in the, the fields, tending the sheep, far away. They finally bring him in. He's all smelly and stinky and young and little, and he stands there in front of Samuel. And it's like Samuel goes, he's the one? It's a diamond in the rough. Because yes, God has chosen the unusual one again. Ignoring the usual patterns of power and influence, David is the youngest of eight sons. He's out in the fields working as a lowly shepherd from a family with no pedigree from an unspeakable town called Bethlehem. All throughout this passage of Scripture, God keeps using a play on words. It's this play on words between seeing and looking. The prophet Samuel was looking, but he wasn't really seeing. Then verse 7 comes along, and it reminds us that God doesn't look at the, the things in the same way as humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Verse 7. This is really important here. We get so, confirmands, we get so caught up in what we look like on the outside. And particularly teenagers feel this enormous pressure around physical appearance. But God looks so much deeper beyond the surface. And we should too. When we're able to do that, we can see the diamond in the rough that is within each one of us. So here are two important lessons from this story. First of all, God often chooses the diamond in the rough, the imperfect, the unexpected, the person who seems most unlikely and unworthy. But let that be a lesson to all of us of both humility and hope. Because sometimes when we think we are the sure thing, we think we are all that and then some. We're the firstborn or even the thirdborn, and, and, and yet God has other plans, right? But that doesn't mean it's bad that we were the third brother in line, but God was looking to tap the eighth brother 
It just means that we will be chosen for something else. Humility. But with that also comes hope. Hope that we must know and trust that God will tap us for something else. That each one of us has worth and is an amazing diamond in the rough. Humility and hope. And then secondly, God looks primarily in the heart, not on the surface. <coughs> each one has worth and um, uh, um, we are, sorry, hang on. Cough drop time out. Now, the irony of the scripture story, if you were really paying attention, is that David was described as being handsome, but that was not why he was chosen. God makes that abundantly clear. And hear me on this, because if we tend to focus on that outward appearance, then we may be missing seeing what God sees, because God sees the matters of the heart. But if we tend faithfully to the matters of the heart, then the grace of God within us will show the most attractive parts of ourselves to the world. And remember this, even the most beautiful diamond has flaws on the inside. No diamond is perfect, actually. And yet, they're still beautiful, right? So, Confirmands, this whole process that you have been going through these past eight months has been all about shaping the heart and the character of who you are as young men and young women. It has been about developing a relationship with Jesus and recognizing that this relationship with Jesus very well may be the most important relationship you develop this year. And let's talk about those diamonds once again. Do you know how one tells if a diamond is of great value or not? I personally would be horrible at this because I can't tell the difference between a cubic zirconia and a diamond. They're both shiny and pretty to me. But a jeweler will look very intensely at a diamond and, it's, and inspects it based on the four C's, four characteristics. So they will look at carat, which is the weight of the diamond. They will look at color and clear is the highest quality of a diamond. They will look at clarity, which is actually looking inside at the deformities of when it was formed and how that diamond was formed in the earth. And then the last characteristic is cutting, which is the quality of the craftsmanship of the jeweler that shapes the diamond from the rough version into the final gem. Now, in order to measure all of these characteristics, that jeweler has to look deep within the diamond, just like God looks deep within our heart to see our greatest value, just like God looked deep within the heart of that youngest shepherd boy and realized that he was the next king of Israel. And this brings us to two additional scripture verses that I want to share with you, Confirmands, as a word of encouragement from scripture to you this morning. Jeremiah 29 11. I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace, not disaster, to give you a future filled with hope. God didn't plan to leave David 
out in the shepherd's field forever. But while he was there, he was learning and being formed. God has so many wonderful and amazing things in store for you guys. I'm kind of jealous at the years that you have ahead of you. But even in those most difficult moments, God's hopes and God's plans for you always involve an ultimate good. And the last scripture verse, Philippians 1, 6, encourages us that I'm sure about this, Paul says, the one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Jesus Christ. You're like that piece of coal that is being transformed into a diamond. It takes a great deal of pressure and some high temperatures and time to form that diamond out of carbon. And it's not an easy process. I wish that I could, could say that it was. But if I'm being honest, the answer is no. But you guys already know that. Because you've already had challenges happen in your life that have been hard. But Philippians and the Jeremiah passage remind us that even in those most difficult moments, God is forming us and transforming us into something more amazing than moving from carbon to a beautiful diamond. And diamonds in the rough don't look like the diamond in my wedding ring yet. But after God gets finished transforming you, <laughs> you will sparkle and shine like the most valuable diamond in the world. Remember this, one bad moment does not define you. God will use that bad moment to transform you into something beautiful if you will let God. And we're formed from the dust of the ground, right? We said that at the beginning. And God changes caterpillars into butterflies and sand into pearls and charcoal into diamonds using time and pressure. So don't worry, because he's working on not only our compromands, but every one of us. And as I look across these faces of these young folks this morning, I see the amazing work that God has already started in you. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know God's going to complete that work, that transformation, but it will take a little more time, a little more pressure, a little more life experience, a little more questioning, a little more wondering, a lot more loving, but it will indeed lead you to a future that is filled with, even now in this moment, filled with peace and hope and wonder and goodness. If you will trust God and let God be part of your life's journey. Amen.